416-216-5910. That is Savan's number. Anytime you need to get a hold of them, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a couple uh, tools uh, during the show, the injury calculator and fightformyltd.com in just a bit. We always start every show uh, with the week that was. What do you got going on, pal? Well, John, I have a very interesting email to read to you. Actually, right. a chain of emails. Uh-oh. And I received this email from a lady. I'm not going to say her name. Uh, I don't want her to get any uh, backlash here, Mm -hmm. but I received this email 20 minutes into our last show, and I'm going to read this verbatim. The subject line was, bull crap. (laughs) I like it already. The content is this, okay? (laughs) Wait for this, John. This is a biased show, exclamation point. Unbelievable, exclamation point. Talk about conflict of interest. You lawyers get your own, quote unquote, doctors to say what you want them to say, exclamation point. Your show is a disgrace. Greedy pig you are, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. To fill people's heads full of nonsense, you're not helping anyone but your own pocket. I respond back to her. By the way, before I responded back, one of my very smart lawyers at the firm, with whom I've shared this email, said, Mm -hmm. well, let's look her up. Let's see if she is in the insurance insurance industry. Well, lo and behold, she is an occupational therapist. And what does she do? She gets retained on behalf of insurance companies to do assessments upon which insurance companies then cut people off their benefits. Mm -hmm. So I wrote her that and I said, uh, I will be mentioning your email on my next show on on Sunday and I will keep your email for my records in the event that you end up performing any assessments on any of my clients because I will share your email with the insurance companies that hire you. I get a response 20 minutes later. My apologies for my rude email. I just think that the focus should be on treatment and rehab and full recovery, not dollars and cents. So, John, here you have someone who is clearly biased. By the way, we did some research on this lady, as I mentioned at the beginning, and we found quite a few cases where she was cited, always on behalf of the insurance company. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you just one uh, sentence from a decision that was authored by an arbitrator who heard the case where she testified on behalf of the insurance company. Again, I'm not going to mention her name. This is what the arbitrator wrote in his decision in that case. Quote, Turning now to the merits of the case at hand, I find that these two treatment plans were not assessed in an appropriate manner by the insurer's assessor. And then he mentions her name. And he goes on and basically undermines her credibility. So why am I mentioning all this? Because once in a blue moon, I do have people who contact me, who contact me fairly aggressively and are very unhappy with the information that we put out on this show to help people who are on long-term disability, people who have been injured in car accidents and slip and falls. And yes, I am a lawyer. Yes, I make a living off of this. No different than a doctor makes a living off of patients that come to him. No different than a dentist and an engineer, yes. But we also put information out and we answer questions. And a huge part of my time is spent not taking any money from anyone, but by giving information out and helping people. And oftentimes I'll tell people, listen, you can do this on your own. Here's what you need to do. You don't need to pay me or anyone at my firm. You want to pay me? No problem. But you don't need to. And then I get people like that, like this lady whose job it is to use her skills that she developed. And by the way, she's been doing this for over 10 years that she's supposed to be helping people instead being a hired gun, working for insurance companies for the sole purpose of helping the insurance company achieve their bottom line. 
which is achieved by cutting people off benefits. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And this is the reason why we do this show. And this is the reason why people like that. Uh, and by the way, we've had a lot of stories in the Toronto Star over the last, I think, few months uh, a- 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 about uh, uh, doctors uh, who are manipulated by insurance companies, insurance companies using them uh, to cut people off. Yeah. It's unethical. And it's inappropriate. And I'm not saying, by the way, that every insurance company does this and every occupational therapist does this and every doctor does this. I'm not saying that. Just like I'm not saying that every lawyer that is on my side, in other words, a plaintiff lawyer, lawyers who help injured individuals, I'm not saying that all, all the lawyers that, that work, that do the kind of work that I do, are all good at what they do. You know, there, there, there's a whole spectrum of people out there. And this sure. is one of the things that we keep talking about, that you have to make sure you go to the right lawyer. You have to make sure that you go to the right clinic that's going to help you, to the right doctor, to the right occupational therapist, chiropractor, whoever it is. So I wanted to start the show with that because it was a very interesting exchange here. And as soon as she realized that I found out quickly who she was, she backtracked. And I personally think that it's a disgusting way of making a living, of helping insurance company cut benefits from people who need those benefits after an injury. And you can't think that, you know, she, she didn't think there would be any backlash from this in the world of well, broadcasting and social, social media? <laughs> listen, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, John. I can tell you that her email has a ton of spelling mistakes. So I don't know how good she is at what she does. Uh, I don't know what her reports look like to the insurance companies. But what I can tell you is that this is endemic of how insurance companies, many of them, uh, treat legitimately injured individuals or people on long-term disability who have no one to fight for them and who are who essentially feel like it's a David and Goliath uh, uh, situation here because these insurance companies have billions of dollars and they hire whoever they want to target these people who are already vulnerable, essentially re-victimizing them because they're already dealing with their own health issues and their own injuries. And, and then the insurance companies who are, who are supposed to be the safety net, they cut them off. And, and At the weakest point. Exactly, which is why yeah. I tell them, call me, email me, I will help you. We'll take a quick break. We'll get into the injury calculator, fight for my LTD, all those good things, and some more cases that have come across Savannah's desk at the firm. Uh, recently as well, the number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, give me a little brief uh, rundown of the injury calculator. It's a fantastic tool, John. It's a tool that's been used countless times since we launched it about a year and a half ago. And what it is is it allows people who have been injured through no fault of their own, whether it's through a car accident, slip and fall, whatever it is, and suffered an an injury, and they want to know, listen, does it make sense for me to start a claim? What am I looking at in terms of compensation? And that's the first question, not the first question, but that's one of the first questions you get asked by a potential client, not because they're greedy, but because they want to understand what is the process, what am I you know, doing this for really, because I'm not going to put them in this position that they were before. I can't, you know, unbreak their leg. I I can't, you know, make them feel better. I can only get the money compensation. And so they want to know, what am I looking for? So what this tool does is it allows you to just click on a few menus, tell the calculator uh, where this injury occurred, how old you are, what kind of injury, the significance of the injury. Is it chronic? Is it not? Did you have surgery? And then what it does is it runs through an algorithm and it has a database of cases from across the country of similar cases like yours, like the information you've inputted, and then it tells you here's what you are potentially going to get uh, according to the case law for your pain and suffering. And that's key here. We've talked about this many times. This is just for pain and suffering. So you broke your leg, you broke your ankle, you have chronic pain in your back, whatever, head injury, depression. Uh, The calculator will 
tell you, here's what the cases from across the countries where these kinds of claims have gone through through the court systems and judges have rendered verdicts and said, here's what a person is owed for their injuries. This is what the calculator does. It runs through them and it gives you a range of of those damages. So it'll tell you that for an ankle, for example, I'm just throwing numbers uh, from from thin air, uh, you're entitled to, let's say, thirty to $50,000 as an example. Now, this calculator is anonymous. It's free. It's extremely easy to use. What it does not do is it cannot assess your other damages. So it can deal with pain and suffering, but what happens if because of your ankle injury, you now have difficulty working and are earning less income? That's something that I have to talk to you about to get more information so I can give you a proper assessment, right? Uh, And what happens if uh, you have a hip fracture, for example, now you need to live in a home. You know, that's an additional expense. It could be huge. So you could have cases where the pain and suffering component is worth X, let's say $50,000, but your income losses that flow from the injury could be 10 times that. So it could dwarf the pain and suffering. So that's very important to understand that there are different categories of damages. And what the calculator does is it just tells you for your pain and suffering, here's what the case law across the country does. And of course, if you want to contact me, there is a button at the end, submit for a consultation, and you can just click that, and then I get the email personally, and I get in touch with you. If you don't want to use that console button, that's fine. I'll never know you were on the site in the first place. It's anonymous. What else you got going on there today? All right. Well, here's uh, an interesting question that was posted to one of our websites, Mm -hmm. mydisabilityquestions.com. And I tell people, go onto that website if you have a question about your long-term disability claim, particularly if you've been denied or if you've been cut off long-term disability. mydisabilityquestions.com. It's a free website. I get the questions. Uh, I immediately uh, email the answer back, and it's posted, okay? So all of these questions and answers are posted on that site. So question, uh, this comes from Stephanie in London, Ontario. I have, been, uh, I have just been terminated from my job. I've been on LTD for 15 months. Is my LTD provider going to stop paying me? Now, the answer to that is no, because if your disability arose during the time that you were employed and had LTD coverage, then you are now in the LTD zone. You are now going to get paid. The fact that you don't have a job to come back to doesn't uh, obviate the LTD insurer's obligation to pay you because the test, you've met the test, which is to be disabled, totally disabled from doing your work. Okay. Now, down the road, the insurance company may take the position that you're no longer disabled and the fact that you don't have a job to go back to, that's not their problem. But the initial question of, well, I was just let go, does the LTD insurer continue paying me? The answer to that is yes, absolutely, because you're already on LTD. You've already qualified. The LTD can't let you go or stop paying you simply because you've been let go from your job. The number 416-216-5910 or uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You heard uh, Savannah talk about that. Let me get through an email here before we bounce back to what you, uh, you were talking about there. Gerald in Newmarket says, my wife was denied her long-term disability claim because of the insurance company said that she is not disabled enough not to work. Uh, she's uh, 48 and has fibromyalgia and depression and her chronic pain doctor says that she can't work. You've often said that people shouldn't uh, appeal denial of claims. What's the difference between appealing and starting a claim against an insurance company? That's a fantastic yeah. question, Gerald. And here's basically what it comes down to. Appeals are internal processes. Essentially, you're not using um, the, 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 the law, really, to force an insurance company to pay you what you are owed. Appeals are the insurance company saying, we've come to a decision that you don't qualify anymore for whatever reason for LTD payments, Mm -hmm. but guess what? 
if you give us some more documentation, we'll consider it again. But who are you appealing it to? You're appealing it to the exact same people who cut you off in the first place, which is why most of these appeals do not work. On the other hand, when you start a claim, you are now using essentially the full force of the law. And insurance companies, as strong as they are, they bend under the law. Why? Because no one is above the law. As soon as you start a claim, I often compare it to a, um, you know, pu- 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 putting a gun essentially to the insurance company's head, you know, legally speaking, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, you're essentially forcing them through a legal process where they can't escape a final judgment. So essentially what you're, tell- what you're telling them is, is, is that either you reinstate me, in other words, pay me what I'm owed and right. put me back on the plan or settle with me on a lump sum or... I'm going to get a judge to order you to do that. Either way, we're going to dance. Either way, we're going to dance. Yeah. The, the, the only difference is, is that if we're going to dance, the more we dance, the more you're going to pay your lawyers and eventually pay me too. Now, keep in mind, insurance companies a lot of times cut people off or deny them because they think there is a legitimate reason to cut people sure. off and deny them. My point is that the majority of people who contact me who are legitimately disabled, they've been cut off for no good reason. They've been cut off because of excuses. They've been cut off because the adjusters don't know what they're doing, because the adjusters have some kind of a quota to fill. I don't know what the reason is. All I know is that I have a lot of people contacting me. Legitimately, they are injured. They're doctors or or ill. Their doctors support their inability to work. And yet the insurance company says, I'm sorry. You don't have – you have insufficient medical documentation. Uh, You're not sufficiently disabled. Meanwhile, the person doesn't know what to do. So, Gerald, what I would say is that her wi- uh, your, your, your wife should, should not be appealing uh, the, the denial. Uh, we, should, we, can, we can help her. And in fact, we can oftentimes, John, resolve these kinds of claims extremely uh, simply, easily, with very little pain to the actual individual. And the insurance company, let's face it, is playing the odds, right? For every 10 people they do this to, maybe nine will just you know, lay down and take it. A hundred percent, John. It's like a poker game for them. They're simply playing the odds. You're right. Nine out of 10 people, 90%, at least from my vantage point, 90% of people out there will simply take it. They will assume that there's nothing they can do. It's the exact opposite. If you have a legitimate disability, if you cannot work, if you have uh, medical practitioners, treatment providers who are supporting your disability, you have a case. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, just give me a call, email me. I will never pressure you to do anything, sure. but I will explain to you in detail why it is that you have a case. And I mean, I've been saying this over and over on the radio. And, you know, occasionally people will email me and I'll give them this information and they'll decide not to do anything. And as far as I'm concerned, that's their money that they're wasting away. They're essentially, so let's say, for example, I'm telling someone, listen, you can probably get $100,000 that's owed to you. I can force the insurance company to pay you that. And that person says, Sivan, you know what? I don't know. I'm good. I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I, you know, my wife doesn't want me to do that. That's, and you know what I tell this person? That's that's fine. You're right. just giving the insurance company a very, very nice bonus. Yep. That's your money you're giving away. Keep in mind, this is not money that you are stealing. This is money that's owed to you. Right. The law forces the insurance company to pay you that money. The insurance companies would never pay you a dime. When they pay out these huge settlements, it's because they have to, not because they want to. 416-216-5910 is that number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show is coming right up. This is Talk Radio AM 640. The number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Some more of your emails coming up here in just a bit. Let's talk some slip and fall. What do you got there? All right. So we had a gentleman that contacted me. Uh, he had a slip and fall in March of 2015. 
He was coming up uh, a Canadian Tire in Hamilton, and there was snow on the walkway uh, in the parking lot. Uh, it seemed like there was no maintenance that was done, no salt, nothing. Uh, and so he walked over a pile of snow and, and black ice, and he fell due to it. And he fell on his left side and onto his hip and shoulder. He spoke to the manager, uh, and the manager appeared to just be too busy. So he sent another employee uh, with this gentleman who contacted me, uh, and, and, and they went to the location where he fell, and, and the employee took some photographs of the area. So I want to stop there, actually, before okay. we continue. If you're not the one who's taking photos, make sure that you get um, the the photos from the employee or the store or the mall or whoever it is that's taking them, or take the, the particulars, take the contact information of whoever took photographs. Remember, in slip and fall situations, it's very, very important to have photographs around the same time of the fall, shortly after. Especially if it's ice. Exactly. Yeah. If you take it two days later, it's of no use because the weather conditions generally right. change. Okay, so very, very important. Now, he went to the doctor a couple of days after this, this, this fall. Okay. Let's stop there a second time again. Uh, when you're injured, whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall, and you feel that you've been injured, okay, you go to the doctor immediately unless there is a very, very good reason not to. And I say that for two reasons. Number one, you want to get checked out. You never know. I've had people who have gone to the doctor a week later only to find out that they've torn their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, you have certain injuries you want to make sure they're taken care of immediately. So the health comes first. Make sure you get checked out. That's number one. Number two, think about it from a legal standpoint. If you're going to be submitting a claim to the insurance company for the slip and fall or for the car accident, one of the first things the insurance company and the defense lawyer are going to look at is how long after the incident did you seek medical attention? Because if it took you a few days or a week or a month, they're going to say, well, clearly it wasn't that bad. It wasn't top of mind. It wasn't, right. exactly. So it, it indicates, the perception is that, that it wasn't urgent. And if it wasn't urgent, that equals to not serious. Not serious equals to little less money. money yeah. Less money, you exactly. So you got to make sure you get checked out, and then you got to make sure that uh, you, you obviously follow whatever recommendations are made. So this person, uh, th- this person went to the doctor a few days later and then went back a week after because he was still, uh, still in pain and, and, and there were some x-rays done. Now, he took a few weeks off after the fall. He's self-employed. And he's had to take various time off since that incident, right, back in 2015, because of these injuries. He's working a few hours a day. Uh, he's not earning that much. But again, the question then becomes, for him, you know, how much is my injury worth? What can I get for pain and suffering? So this is a perfect case where he can go to the injury calculator and actually figure that out. But the injury calculator is not going to tell him what can he get for that income loss. And this guy is 43 years old. What happens if these pains and limitations become chronic, right? If they become chronic and he has an ongoing income loss over the next 10 years, 20 years, Mm -hmm. I don't know, then you can see a situation where his income loss could easily be in the six figures. So very, very important, a lot of issues here, uh, you know, but fundamentally, after you're injured, you should probably give me a call or email me just so I can tell you what to do. You're not going to sign any papers, okay? I'm just going to give you information, but it's very, very important to understand how these things play out because you always think, many people think after an accident, oh, I, I haven't been injured, nothing, there's nothing wrong with me, and maybe there isn't, that's great. But if you have an inkling that maybe something is wrong, get checked out, make sure you got photos after a slip and yeah. fall, and just make sure you do things right. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Sandra writes in, says, uh, My father, 75 years old, was in a hardware store last week when an employee was pushing a cart that caused him to fall. He landed on his right side, tore his right shoulder, and broke his hip. Wow. Uh, is the employee responsible to the store? 
Or uh, the store, which one? Okay, so Sandra, first of all, hip injuries, we've dealt with them before. They're mm-hmm. very serious. If you go to the injury calculator, you will see that the pain and suffering component of that claim is probably worth anywhere from 90000 to yeah, 120, maybe even more, depending on the surgery and, and whatever else. Uh, and who knows, he's 75 years old, maybe he'll need to, to, to be in a home now or have a caretaker, which could shoot up the damages. It could. E- this is an easily six-figure case. The question is, where in the six figures? Right. Now, the questions you're having or, or that you pose to me is, is the employee responsible or the store? Well, it's both of them, but really the store is the entity that we're interested in right. because they are the employer. So they are at law vicariously liable. They're the ones who are supervising the employee who either did not train him or her correctly, uh, or, or, or perhaps they did, but the employee uh, did something wrong. Whatever it is, the, insur- the, the, the store will have insurance, and that insurance company is going to respond to this claim. But this raises a very good point. And yeah. again, we've spoken about this before. How important it is to make sure that when you start a claim, you have all the right parties at the table. And so whenever you have a claim like this, or if it's a slip and fall on a sidewalk, for example, you want to make sure that you don't just do whatever it is that you want to do uh, without looking at absolutely everything. Because whenever you start claims and you haven't named all the right parties, you're guaranteeing that at some point during the proceeding, one of the defendants is going to say, hold on, there is another party that should be added. And now you've just added about a year or so or two years to the claim. So you want to make sure really that you name all the parties. And in this case, Sandra, yes, you would name the employee and the store, but the store really is who you're interested in because they're the ones who are employing this individual and they're the ones who are going to have the insurance to respond to the claim and to pay out proper compensation to your father. Give me a call or email me after the show and I'll tell you a little bit more about how you should proceed. Uh, Again, it's a very, very serious injury. You have to be um, aware also that there are other claims uh, that have to be satisfied, such as OHIP's claim here, right? This is a hip fracture. We Mm -hmm. talked about this before. In cases where uh, uh, cars are not involved, uh, a case like this or a slip and fall, and there's an injury, oftentimes OHIP has their own claim. So again, we're not going to get into this right now. My point is that, Sandra, uh, you should be contacting me so that I can help you and your father deal with all the issues, and then you guys can decide after you have all this information, how you want to proceed. Sandra, the number is simple, 416-216-5910. You want to drop an email as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, which you know because you wrote that email uh, just moments ago. Well, coming up here, we'll get to lots more of our discussion. You need to check it out anytime, injurycalculator.ca or fightformyltd.com. Very useful tools you should uh, have a look at when you got a moment. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show is coming right up. Talk radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910. Savannah's number directly. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You got something else coming across your desk there. Tell me about it. Okay, so this is uh, this is an individual. This lady contacted me because of a long-term disability issue. She was on LTD from March 2007 until March 2009. Then she went back to work for about a year but found it too difficult, so she went on disability again. She suffers from major depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Uh, this can be, th- these things can be very debilitating. Yeah. John, I, I know that uh, from personal experience. Not mine, but I know people who yep. have had it. Now, she's been on LTD and CPP disability from February 2010 until now. And this is interesting. Manulife, Manulife, the the LTD insurer sent mm-hmm. her a cutoff letter um, dated May 2016, effective January 13, 2017. So essentially, she's getting cut off now, and she's cut off because, according to the insurance company, she's no longer qualified under the definition of disability, as per the policy. Now, her file was kept open, as she says, and she tried to appeal. 
We all know where that story goes, obviously. Nowhere. Well, clearly, that appeal went nowhere, <laughs> and that's why she contacted us. Now, here's the interesting part here. She wasn't getting along with her psychiatrist, and she stopped seeing him in March of 2016. And she, she of course, has a family doctor who's supportive, and she's about to go see a new psychiatrist. So the interesting issue here is what happens when you are disabled, but you're not getting along with one of your medical practitioners, be it a psychiatrist, uh, a surgeon, a physiatrist, whoever it is. What do you do and how does that impact right. your claim? Well, listen, it doesn't help your claim. Okay, let's be clear on that. Let's be under no illusions. Uh, you don't want a doctor to say that you are able to go to work if, in fact, you can't. But, you know, it does happen that you have some doctors or practitioners who either are biased. In other words, some of these doctors, they're, just, they're not as empathetic. Perhaps they're, they're you know, very, very much like a factory style. That, that's their operation. You know, they, they help 1,500 people a day. Yeah, right. Uh, and sometimes you have doctors who simply have a different opinion. They just think that you can go to work, you know, despite what you may feel. Either way, this lady has done the right thing. If she doesn't feel that this psychiatrist is helping her, she should go on referral, referral from her family doctor to another psychiatrist. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. Now, the insurance company, of course, probably seized on the old psychiatr- uh, psychiatrist's opinion and said, because of that, we don't think that you qualify anymore under the definition of disability. But if she goes to someone else and she does get the opinion that she's unable to go back, and that opinion is solid, that opinion has meat, it has substance, Okay, it's not it's not a one-liner by a new psychiatrist saying she is disabled. No, it's a page. It's two pages. It's five pages explaining why it is that she is disabled, showing how under the DSM four, which is you know the book, the holy book for psychiatrists and psychologists to deal with mental uh, issues, uh, psychological issues. If you have that kind of substantive report for, for from from a new psychiatrist, then she has a case because she is disabled, yeah. and so people should not be afraid to. Uh, fight the insurance company even if their own doctor or treating practitioner is not helping them if, in fact, their injury or illness is legitimate. I would never tell someone who doesn't have a legitimate disability to fight one of these cases because my credibility is on the line. My lawyer's credibility is on the line. I will never say that. But if I believe you, John, that you are disabled and you're telling me my doctor is not helping me, I'll suggest to you, I'm not going to tell you who to go to because I can be conflicted that mm-hmm. way uh, with, with that physician. But I will tell you, get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. Get someone who is going to review your file, who is going to assess you properly, and who's going to provide a report, hopefully, that helps you if, in fact, you are disabled. And then, then, trust me, put all this in my hands, and I will make sure that the insurance company pays what they owe you. And you've often said too, when people think uh, they call you or they say, you know, I'm I'm been asked to go back to work, so I'm I'm scared to try because I think it looks better if I just sit around the couch, like I'm completely disabled. Then it proves my case. You're saying that's that's not always true. It's not always true, and it's a double-edged sword. So insurance companies will try to get you back to work mm-hmm. because that's one of the ways that they can get you off their payroll. Really, now if you say no, I don't want to try they can then turn around and say, well, you have an obligation to mitigate your, your, your injuries and damages. And so we think you are able to. You're just not trying. Therefore, you're in breach of your policy. Therefore, we're cutting you off. But if legitimately you cannot go back or even try and you have that medical backup, those treating practitioners, family doctors, psychiatrists, whoever it is, who say he cannot, she cannot go back to work at this point, you have a legitimate reason 
to say no to try and go to go back to work. That said, if you try to go back to work and, and it's documented that you haven't been able to, right? Mm-hmm. You tried. Well, then the insurance company really has nothing to say because they yeah. can't say you haven't tried to mitigate. But you have to make sure that those kinds of attempt to return back to work are documented by the HR of your company. You have to make sure your doctors are aware of these attempted returns to work because you want them to record these and to make sure that those attempts get reflected in their reports when they tell the insurance company that person is now ready to go back. It it strengthens your claim even more. It does. It does. And and that's the same, by the way, not just in long-term disability cases, but in car accident cases, in slip and fall injuries. Defense lawyers and insurance companies are suspicious of anyone who says that they can never go back to oh, any sure. form of employment. Makes Listen, sense. Unless you're paralyzed, yeah. you should be able to do something, yeah. right? Makes sense. Uh, but uh, if you're a doctor, no one's going to expect you to go and hand out you know, papers, right? Uh, pamphlets uh, on yeah. the street. No one's going to say that. But y- you can't simply you know, wash your hands off of any attempt to try and get better. You have an obligation under the law to mitigate, to try and get better, to try and lessen the the loss of income that you're experiencing. 416-216-5910. Lots more to go. We'll get into fightformyltd.com. It's a beauty. And uh, in the meantime, you can check out the injury calculator as well at injurycalculator.ca. It's the insurance and injury law show. Talk radio, AM640. 416-216-5910. And help at the insurancelawyer.ca. I'll get to a, uh, an email here in just a little bit, but I did mention this. In fact, we plugged it a couple times during the show so far, and that is fightformyltd.com. So that's another website we created. We have all these websites. But really, the the purpose is to give out information, to make this information easily accessible. So what that page is, mydisabilityquestions.com, it's a a, a website that gives you some information about long-term disability, uh, five facts, uh, five myths, uh, five common excuses for why insurance companies Mm -hmm. deny or cut off claims, five strategies to strengthen your disability claim. Uh, and then and then on the right side of the screen, you can click a button that says, do I have a case? Because people want to know, do I have a case? I don't want to call you. I don't want to email you. I just want to know, do I have a case? Well, there are five questions, five simple questions. And when you answer those questions, which would take you literally five to ten seconds, you click uh, the button at the bottom, send request. Mm-hmm. I get that, and I will email you and tell you if I think you have a case or if I think that I need to see anything else, if I need to, if I need to see a, a denial letter or w- whatever it is. But generally, with these five questions, I can pretty much tell you if you have a case. It's absolutely painless. You are paying nothing for this. And the only reason I started this is because a lot of people, have, when they call me, these are the five questions I ask them. Right. Right? Again, sometimes there are other questions I need, but generally speaking... You just put in the information for these five questions, send request. I will tell you if you have a case or not, and then you can decide how you want to proceed. Fightformyltd.com is that website. So a uh, paralegal right here, case of car accident. If someone has a, uh, a paralegal, okay, a paralegal working on their accident benefits claim, can you still help them with a larger claim against the at-fault driver, or do you have to? How does that work? All right, so let's backtrack a bit. Oh. So now we're dealing with car accidents, and of course, we've talked about this many times <clears throat> Sorry, when you have a car accident, you have potentially two claims. A tort claim. One is a claim for accident benefits Mm -hmm. with your own insurance company, uh, like income replacement benefits if you can't work, medical rehabilitation expenses if you need treatments, etc. But you may also have a claim for pain and suffering and everything else Mm -hmm. that the accident benefits insurer doesn't pay you. And that's only if someone else was responsible for the accident, okay? Because then that person's insurance company gets involved. And so... Paralegals who are licensed under the Law Society okay, of Upper Canada, uh, they oftentimes handle accident benefits claims. 
Okay, we have paralegals in our office. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing. Many of them are extremely qualified, uh, very bright individuals. In fact, some of them are, I would say, are probably better than some of the lawyers that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're very, very good. But they cannot do the other part of the claim, the claim against the at-fault driver, where you're seeking pain and suffering, where you're seeking future income losses. Larger amounts. Larger amounts, exactly. And so it's not unusual to have situations where you have independent paralegals or paralegal firms helping people with the accident benefit portions of their claims. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they end up referring the tort claim, the other claim, to lawyers that they know, and then they get a benefit out of that. So the, to answer the question, yes, if your claim, if, if you are getting accident benefits, but a claim against the at-fault driver hasn't begun yet, there's no lawyer involved, we can certainly help. Mm-hmm. In our firm, we have both paralegals and lawyers, so it's all in-house. Remember, I keep talking about how we yep. have employment lawyers, disability the whole lawyers. Thing. You know, it, it's very, very important to make sure that you have everyone, I think, under one roof. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to digress for a second. Just this morning, uh, I, I was speaking with a lawyer at my firm, one of the partners in employment law, because he's handling the termination of employment for this lady. Mm-hmm. And we are handling, I'm handling with another lawyer, the disability portion of that, of that claim. Right. And there is an interplay between the long-term disability portion and the employment aspect. And I'll tell you, the strategy, there's finesse to it. There's an art to it because we want to make sure that we maximize the compensation, the money that she gets in her pocket. If we were lawyers in different firms, there's no way we would have the same level of communication to be able to, to, to really deal with both sides of the claim. And sometimes you're dealing with an employment matter, an accident benefits matter, a long-term disability matter, a tort matter, Right. We do everything under one roof, which is, which is really actually unique. You don't have a lot of firms out there that do it. You have a lot of personal injury firms. You have employment firms. Sure but you don't have a lot of these firms. In fact, I don't know any, really, that do all of these things together. It's absolutely crucial, in my view, to have all these lawyers talk together because then you really maximize. You know, the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. Is there a dollar amount of threshold as to what the uh, paralegal can get involved in? Well, paralegals generally, when you're dealing with court-type claims, right. uh, they can go to small claims court, which is up to $25,000. Okay. But with accident benefits, it's not, it's not court. There's right. no court here. Uh, th- this goes through a different system. Uh, and th- there isn't really a monetary limit on that. You can have catastrophic claims where the limits are the limits of the policy, a million bucks, maybe two million, depending on what the policy says. So no, paralegals, uh, you know, when you're dealing with accident benefits, there's no limit to what they can do. The number 416-216-5910. You got any other uh, cases from last week? Got about a minute to kill here. Yeah, I'll I'll mention an uh, an interesting email uh, that I got from someone. This is an individual uh, who is a unionized employee and was recently denied LTD because apparently he was taking too long to fill out a form. Interesting. Uh, He stated that he was waiting for his doctor to get back to him. The guy was making about Mm. uh, $65,000 before he became disabled. So it's a substantial claim on the LTD front. And and, uh, let me say this, you know, taking too long to fill out forms, I don't know what that's all about. What I can tell you is that if he has a legitimate excuse, that's not a reason or an excuse for the insurance company to cut him off. Mm. And again, I see this time and time again, insurance companies, LTD insurers, they will use any excuse under the sun, uh, any excuse in the book to cut you off or to deny claims. And these are fairly easy to get around. 
We'll take a quick break and then some more long-term disability. A couple of your emails as well as we get down to the last uh, few minutes of the show this week. It's 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through an email. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. The number 416-216-5910. Go to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to send us an email. Blake writes in uh, from Sudbury, says... I've been listening to you for over a year and appreciate the good information you put out there. My cousin has been on long-term disability for over a year, and I was just told by his insurance company that they will cut him off in about a month. He went to one of their doctors recently, and they said that he should be doing certain treatments, but his own doctor disagrees with that. The insurance company says that he is not following their doctor's recommendations, and that is why he's going to be cut off. Can he? Can they do anything? Well, Blake, thanks for your email. I really appreciate it. And the fact that you've taken the time to contact me about your cousin. And this is really important out there because the listeners themselves, John, may not be facing these issues, but maybe they know someone who is. So really, really important to get in touch with me. And Blake, it's interesting. The, the, your email touches really on the issues that we, we started the, the, the show with, with that lady who emailed me and, and said that I was giving this misinformation and I was doing a disservice to people. And what you are telling me really uh, is that your cousin went to one of their doctors, the insurance company's doctors, right? The doctors who are being paid by the insurance company. And they said that he should be doing certain treatments. And the interesting thing here is that his own doctor disagrees. So I will tell you, Blake, that your cousin should be doing exactly, exactly what his own doctor is telling him to do, not what the insurance company is doing. Uh, sorry, what the insurance company's doctor says. And if the insurance company, in this case, are cutting him off, I can tell you right now that I can get this claim resolved in no time because there is no way that I can ever see a judge, a jury, anyone, anyone taking the word of the insurance company's doctor over that individual's, your cousin's own doctor. Now, the only caveat that we'll put here is that I hope that your cousin's treating practitioner, your, your cousin's doctor, is not a hack, okay? We have to – no, because this is important. For sure. I am assuming here, just from this email, that your cousin's doctor is someone in good standing with the medical association, someone who has good credentials, good experience. When you put side by side the insurance company's doctor – and by the way, insurance companies oftentimes use doctors with, with very big resumes – and you put individuals on doctors – uh, you know, on the scale, generally speaking, in my experience, uh, the judges will side with the doctors that are treating the individual because those doctors know the individual. They've been working right. with them as opposed to the insurance doctor who has seen this person for, what, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, and suddenly they know everything about this person? No, they're spending too much time sending you hate mail. Absolutely. So what I would do in this case, Blake, I would have your cousin contact me. I would probably contact me, myself, your cousin's doctor directly. Mm-hmm. I would want to have a conversation with him just to understand why it is that he disagrees with the insurance company's doc- uh, treatment recommendations. And if legitimately he believes that the insurance doctor is wrong in his treatment recommendations and he can explain that to me and put it on paper, I can tell you right now that I'll be able to resolve this claim in no time with the insurance company. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll wrap with a bit of a weird question. I know you've had this on your sheets before, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, slip and fall question. When someone slips and falls and they get injured, should they hold on to their shoes or boots? I don't mean on the way down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. grab your ankles, you're going down. Uh, I mean, can they wear them again? 
so, so it's a very good question because one of the questions that defense lawyers always ask uh, very early on in slip and fall cases, particularly on ice, right. is what kind of footwear were yep. you wearing? And do you have that footwear? You know, have you used that sense? And the reason they're asking is because they want to know if you are, it's, in, in some respect, at fault for your own accident. Yeah, it's got no you know, tread on it. Or nothing, no tread. Right? Maybe, yeah. I don't know, you, you went out uh, on, on ice and slippers. I have yeah. no idea, right? They don't know. So it's really important that if you have a slip and fall, specifically on ice, snow, you know, things like that, uh, that you keep the footwear, you don't use it again, uh, perhaps take a few photos and just keep those photos because I can tell you right now the insurance company is going to be very interested in examining that footwear. It's not going to make or break the case, but it's very important because if they find out that you are wearing inappropriate footwear, sandals in the winter or something, yeah. uh, or, or perhaps, <laughs> or perhaps uh, boots with, with, with no treads, yeah. they may argue at some point down the road that you should be taking some kind of a cut on the settlement that they're going to be paying you, and you just don't want to be in that position. We'll uh, take it for another week, my friend. In the meantime, you want to get hold of Savan Simple, 416-216-5910. That is the number. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and a couple of websites you should be aware of, uh, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering should be. And for the LTD side, fightformyltd.com. Till the next time, this is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio, AM 640.